0: to the queer arabs podcast this is alia this is nadia and we have a guest thank you hilal for connecting us shout out to hilal um so can you introduce yourself um tell the listeners like what you do what you're up to
1: sure hi my name is mike masalam i'm a writer director producer here in los angeles um I recently wrote and directed a feature film that is currently available on Hulu and anywhere you can rent or buy a film called Breaking Fast. It's a Ramadan rom com uh, set in West Hollywood, um, and it's uh, it's a fun homage to you know family and every kind of structure and love and you know seeing ourselves reflected back on the screen.
2: Ramadan rom-com. I love that description. I, I, I was trying to make a pun like Ramadan com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ramadan yeah. com. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: One of our one of our producers came up with it and it sort of became our little tagline because I think it like easily encapsulates like some of the nuance of the film, while, while also just really not trying to make this film out to be some, you know, I think so often we talk about queer Muslim stories and they are shrouded in shame or secrecy or, you know, have a tragic ending. And, you know, and this one is just a, it's a feel good, you know, heart heart forward, good time. And, and we wanted that to sort of come across right away.
0: I thought it was a really fun film even though it touches on some really deep issues and deep emotions, but it still is like, like it's just watching it is fun. It's not like yeah. a tragic, it's not this like really tragic and like energy sucking experience. Not, not to discount, <laughs> <laughs> not to discount tragedy, but yeah, uh, yes. this wasn't it. But sometimes but you just like, like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we as Arabs are fun. We are a fun group of human beings that know how to have a good time. And I think that in, in the way in which we have been represented in the mainstream, that kind of gets lost. Um, and I think for me, you know, so much of the Western imagery of Arabs is pretty unnuanced. It's pretty sort of one-dimensional. And and I kind of was always like, none of this ever looks like the stuff I grew up with or the stuff that was going on in my house or in my friend's houses, you know, growing up in Dearborn, Michigan. And, and so I kind of wanted to just create something that felt a little bit more like the world that I knew or the world that felt familiar to me
2: yeah uh one thing that i really loved about the film um even though obviously it's a rom-com and there's like essential romance like i think my favorite relationship was the friendship between um mo and sam like two queer arab guys that's already established like it's not that we're introduced to these people as if they're isolated and don't know anyone like them it's like it makes sense like in my life that makes sense like yes these are people who would be hanging out together and they have a pre established friendship and they also have like really different perspectives as uh, two different arab muslims with different life experiences but they, they would be hanging out together and i i just appreciated that a lot
0: yeah i appreciated you didn't like you didn't make them out to be the same person you were like no these are two very different people but they're brought together by these shared identities yeah. and they they have this really special friendship where they can like disagree with each other but be like hey but we're also in this together
1: I think that's. I mean, I really, really appreciate you pointing that out. It's a, a very important relationship to me in that in the film, and and I think like I think especially uh, gay men have interesting relationships together. You know, regardless of their ethnicity or or religious identities, but like just it's it's so important that gay men find each other and create community amongst each other. I mean, queer people in general, but like, I think especially in West Hollywood, it can be a little harder to find just sort of more profound kinds of brotherly relationships. Um, And then I also think like as Arabs, I mean, especially for me, like my Arab male friends, queer or otherwise are deep deep brothers like they are you know they you know they can say things that no one else can um they can they can do things that no one else can we can talk about things and 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 also and most importantly no one calls me out on my shit better than my fellow arabs you know and i and i think can i swear
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, we okay. actually, <laughs>
0: actually
1: encourage it. <laughs> oh, good. That's we have to so market, good.
2: like, if you swear once, we have to market as explicit. So, I would recommend just like, just going, some in more here. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuckety, fuck, fuck,
1: fuck. fuck. That's great. Okay, <laughs> right. we've earned that e rating. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I think, like, you know, there is the, the i have i have a, a a spectrum of friends in LA, especially, and a spectrum of ethnicities and races and colors and religions and, and sexual orientations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm fucking United Colors of Benetton over here. Cool. But like, there is no bond like an Arab bond. I mean, it's just, it's so, so important and familiar to me. And, and it feels, um, you know, and, and so I really wanted Mo to have, you know that aspect of his culture front and center in his day to day life. You know his family is not in LA, um, but I mean he's obviously still very close to them. But I did I think it was important that Mo had uh, camaraderie and brotherhood right next to him, and and also maybe somebody who challenged him in a way that people who would look at Mo and say. He's a doctor, he's well off, he's this, he's that, you know, like how, who am I to challenge him, especially the new guy Cal. But but Sam certainly can and does, rightly so, and and becomes, you know, a little bit of the 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 heartbeat of the film in terms of like getting Mo to make the 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 journey that he really needs to make.
0: Right. Um I also appreciated how you like kept it very realistic in that if you're if you're gonna focus on like the Queer, the person's like queer life and queer identity, their family most likely will be very on the side. And then also vice versa. Like, yeah, it, it's really rare to have both super meshed together. So like in a film that's accurately portrayed where like one part of
2: someone's life is like very, very on the side. I really love yeah. the family scenes, though. And yeah, I, I love like I love the mom. I just love her as the a mom. So, the <laughs> mom is a trip. She's, she's a treasure. She's the best. Yeah. She's
1: um, such a good actor, too. She's such a nice woman. She's like just a phenomenal human, which made it even better. Can I tell you a quick story about her? Yeah, Yeah, is yeah we're mom.
0: kind of we're fans of her, So
1: <laughs> yes, she's awesome. She said something to me. So so it's so we when we first started talking, you were. Su- sweet to mention the word fun right because it was important that this film is fun but what was so interesting about the casting process and i look i'm first generation lebanese american i'm you know i'm from the epicenter of arab america like i i know what it like what it's like to be arab american and i was very clear that arabs would be playing arabs in this film you know and the casting director, Tina Kebeker, who did a phenomenal job, went on a journey with us and was like, um, what countries, how many, 22, like was very specific with us and intentional with us. But what was so fascinating was as I was encouraging her to find more and more of the Arab talent that we know exists in the world, when, when Arabs would come into the room to read from the script, they almost didn't know how to have fun because it's so rare that when they come to audition for something it's generally heavy-handed they're generally like either yelling or not talking at all it's like oh you mean
2: i'm not a terrorist i'm not not i'm not a terrorist
1: (laughs) exactly so like when i was like no 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 listen like Like, this is your mom. Like, this is your best friend. Like, it's okay. Like, the way you just would do it. Like, and they were, it took such a warming up to get people to a level of comfort to just be themselves and not the version that they thought people in the room wanted them to be. But the, the reason why I bring that up is because on set, Rola, who plays Mama, said to me, I think this is the first time in my career in film somebody has asked me to be funny and i just had to like take that in right like she's she's hilarious she's larger than life she's amazing and yet people like just want her to wear a hijab and like cry about something that's going on in the background you know and it's 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 i hope to god that we you know, beyond just telling specific and authentic stories of ourselves, we start to be able to just be ourselves in stories not directly correlated to our faith or our religion or our ethnicity. And we can just sort of exist in the world without sort of being hugely representative of what the media thinks of us.
0: Um, there is one plot hole I would like to address. What <laughs> what happened? So at the beginning we there is like these beautiful pics. and I'm like, and then <laughs> where did it go? Then <laughs> we're <laughs> like, where did it go? Because we loved it, and we're like, did they? Did someone actually at least get to eat it? Did someone enjoy it? <laughs> so can you please can you please just like assure us? that it went to the right person and that person enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> I will tell you this. Fear not. The canafe got eaten. Okay. Every Good. last bite.
0: Okay. I'm eaten. very relieved because yes. yes. we were like salivating at that. <laughs> and then we were like, wait, where did who got who got to eat it (laughs) because we want to break
1: up ruin the (laughs) connection
0: yes that was it did
1: did, but it it went eaten listen the father and the (laughs) uncle were oblivious they were eating everything it's fine
0: I'm I'm sorry for us that we didn't get
2: it, but I'm also glad. I'm, that, I'm, I'm happy that somebody like, else yeah. got to. Um, well, here, here's
1: that. the deal. When yeah. you come to LA, I'm gonna take you to that spot, and we're all gonna have some together. Okay, oh,
2: yeah, please. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we're
0: we're go- we're yeah. going. Yes. <laughs> Amazing.
2: Um, yeah. Cool. Do you want to talk about? Uh, Do you want to just like rewind all the way, talk about growing up in Dearborn, and then how? Yeah. Um, like. Being yeah. an artist came into the picture.
1: Yes, this is. Oh, this is. Remember when you said, "Is there anything we shouldn't talk about?" I should have. I'm so bad at like talking about myself in this way. But but if I if you get bored, just tell me. No, this is probably won't. um, But we probably won't.
0: And also, this is a podcast. We we like to talk.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um. I was uh, I was born and raised in Dearborn, Michigan. I went to school, and I could I can assure you that probably until. 11th grade i thought i was going to be a doctor i thought i was going to fulfill so my siblings names my all my siblings have arabic names and then english equivalent middle names and i was the fourth and final and my name is michael allen so i didn't get that nomenclature um because my mom god rest her soul was convinced that Michael Allen Mosallam just sounds like the perfect name for a doctor <laughs> and that I was gonna be a doctor. And I really thought I was too. I was very, really like, uh, just, I was really into it. Um, and then I went, and then in, in eighth grade, we moved from the east side of Dearborn to the west side of Dearborn. So basically from the very Arab side to the more mixed white side um and which meant that in eighth grade all of my friends went to one high school and then i went to the less arab high school at the time um and my guidance counselor was like you need an extra credit you need a uh, an elective i think you should take choir and i was like oh choir um but like whatever i took choir And then this really, really cute girl named Brie Rafferty was like, hey, I'm going to audition for the school musical Bye Bye Birdie. Do you want to be in it? And I had no idea what that meant, but it meant being close to Brie Rafferty. So I said, (laughs) sure. Um, And then I did that. And and I did that, and we had this (laughs) um, local paper that reviewed high school plays like we were all up for Tony awards <laughs> and, and I had like this bit part and the reviewer like mentioned me as like somebody who was really hamming it up on stage and I was like oh my new life this is it for me and so I like got the bug and then um my theater director in high school um you know listen listen my parents are incredible and are super supportive but like trying to get them to understand like what school plays are what showing up to rehearsal means what you know like cast parties are i mean it's a whole sort of world that is super, super foreign um, and alien to them. So like my theater director, who was from a very Italian-American family, sort of understood that my parents, while supportive, just didn't really have the way, like the the understanding of like what it meant to sort of support their, their kid in the theater program. So he would like pick me up for rehearsal, drop me back off at home at night after like long texts and just became such a massive mentor and a huge part of my life. And it's still very important to me. And he said, Hey, you know, you should consider auditioning for musical theater programs Mm -hmm. to which I was like, what the freak is that? (laughs) Um, And he, you know, encouraged me to audition at the University of Michigan, which unbeknownst to me at the time had the number one program in the country. And they only accepted 10 men a year. And I got in. Ah. And I couldn't say no. So I went to school for musical theater. And I walked in to, you know, to that experience, having Two high school musicals under my belt and zero wherewithal of anything Broadway or anything, and and all of these kids in my class, primarily white kids in my class, had a I cla- had like a resume full of, you know, Broadway shows and and all this. Dance since they were four. And I was like, kind of like, I love the Wizard of Oz. That's cool. So it was like a real, it was a real time in my life where the Arab Muslim side and the theater side really were siloed, really didn't coexist. And then when I graduated, um, and like, look, Ann Arbor, Michigan is 45 minutes from Dearborn, Michigan. So I would go home on the weekends. I would hang out with my Arab friends. I would, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm a very Muslim, observe Ramadan, thank God. And, and so, like, all of that stuff was still true. But, like, I wasn't inviting the theater kids to my house for iftar Um, And I wasn't like, you know, encouraging my parents to come to Ann Arbor and hang out with, you know, just that that world. I just really compartmentalized it. And I moved to New York. I graduated. and I moved to New York in May of 2001. Got my first professional acting job, got my equity card. I was really sort of like, oh, wow, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. And 9-11 happened. And 9-11 happened in September of that year. And um, it was the first time for me where those worlds that I had so perfectly compartmentalized came together because everyone in in my theater world was talking about Arabs and Muslims. And I became this ambassador. I became, nowadays, now, especially right now, we're talking so much about how, white people shouldn't lean on people of color to learn what they don't know. In 2001, if we, the people of color didn't do the educating, there was zero chance that people were going out and and finding those resources for themselves. So I, alongside a a very robust theater community in New York and and across the globe or the, the country, were really using their art to tell the story of their people, and and it was the first time I actually was like, "Oh, this is how these two things kind of go together." And so that sort of that was the, a big eye opener for me. And um, cut to. Um, I got a job many, many years later as a film commissioner in the state of Michigan at the time where all of these TV shows and, and were coming to Michigan to film because of a very robust tax incentive program. And I ended up selling a TV show to TLC on the very homogenous Arab Muslim community in Dearborn, Michigan called All American Muslim and from there i just wanted to create pieces that continued to showcase the diverse and nuanced kinds of stories that were not monolithic whatsoever out of both my community and the arab community at large and i think it's i think that's kind of been for me how it all went down and what's been like um uh, how it became important to me was that I was sick of everybody treating it like there was one version of the story to tell.
0: Yeah. This, um, God, this is so real. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so that's my story, friends.
0: That's I. I love it. That reminds me of like a past guest we had. He is a he's an author, uh, Danny Ramadan, and he wrote oh. uh, he wrote a novel about a Syrian refugee. And he's writing another novel about a Syrian refugee, and people are already, like... You already wrote it. You already... I know, it's it's a different person. It's a different human being. Like, there's no one story. So, yeah, yeah, people always react like... They're just like, oh, but you already filled that niche. You're like, yeah, with one person? You filled an entire... Like...
1: It's yeah. so true. It's so true. You know we. You know every. You know I worked on Rami season two. Rami Youssef is a good friend of mine. Oh. Rami is killing it. He's doing amazing, amazing, groundbreaking work, and the and I'm sort of in this uh, um, circle of content creators that all have Arab based TV pitches out right, and everyone's like. Oh my God, is this gonna be like Rami? Well, Ra- there's already a Rami. It exists. And I'm thinking to myself, why is there only one? Yeah, there's, exactly. You know, there's there's, I mean, I know how many Muslims there are in the world. I actually don't know how many Arabs there are, but 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 it's crazy that like we view the one thing on TV as the representative of the whole. And I don't know if you guys feel this way. But I think that's why when something comes out that is Arab centric, we as Arabs are like, no, 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 that's not us. That's not us. Like we're so quick to yeah. like, if it doesn't exactly yeah. fit the mold, we're so quick to dismiss it. Whereas if there was like a hundred Ramis or versions of Rami, mm-hmm. we would most likely be like, um, I'm more Rami 3.0, but this right. guy I know is definitely Rami 2.0. And you know, and whereas yeah. If we turn on the TV now, we're like, "Oh yeah, I'm not like this white guy. I'm like that white." I mean, exactly there's we don't right. say that with anyone else, right? Yeah. But people of color, you know, there's only there only can be so many before we, you know, anyway.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. Like, I personally really liked Rami but I know like some people were critical of it in a way that I think. I mean, it's it's cool to be critical of anything you want to be because. Yeah, think, totally. think for yourself. Um, but, like, critical of a way in a way that I don't necessarily think would be happening if we weren't, like, leaning on this as the only option, you know? If it was just a show no. instead of the, the show. show. Yeah. Um, and I think 100%. everyone who's been working on it has, what I've appreciated is really, like, resisted that respectability politics or representation politics and has been very clear, like, no, we're not showing, like, model citizens. We're just showing people. And if you're not like these people, that's fine. Um, which I appreciate, but it's the
1: story of the world through the lens of a straight Muslim, American, Egyptian, first generation, millennial dude, like, and that's the show, right? That's exactly the show. And there are a few of those identifiers that resonate with me and a few where I'm like, this makes no sense to me. But, but like, again, people would watch breaking fast and say like, well, you can't be queer and Muslim yeah. and I would, you know, and I would say cool, but I am. So, you know, you're your like, theory no longer yeah, yeah, exists. Yeah.
0: You're like, so you, I, you, like so plenty of people are like, like, it doesn't matter yeah. if you like it or not. It's yeah, just it's like exactly exactly totally. true. Yeah. Like we have yeah. living proof that it is possible. So you're still going to argue
1: that? Correct. It's yeah. A, it's totally somebody. I, I, I do not read comments. Uh, My producers (laughs) are like, don't do it, (laughs) especially (laughs) especially when the trailer first came out before anyone had seen the film and like the comments, whatever. But somebody wrote and talk about like self-hating. Somebody wrote, I'd rather a movie about terrorists than about gay Muslims. And I think and I say there is so It's much. so sad, but I I would there's say there's plenty of no, movies about no. here. Yeah, watch hey, one. <laughs> go ahead, go take your pick, and this one will be for those who are like interested in a different story.
0: God, that's that's just that says so much. That one comment, yeah, I know. Like you I said, self hate. We got a lot. We got a
1: lot of self loathing going on.
0: Yeah, that's why I often say like there's nothing you can say or do to me that I haven't done to myself yes. already, you know? Yes,
1: yes, a hundred percent.
0: Nothing you say will be new because I've done it to myself already. Yes,
1: a hundred percent.
2: Yeah. Uh... I guess I'm curious uh, regarding playing terrorist number four, uh, during the time where you were, were you working mostly as an actor before you kind of moved over to the production end? Um, yes. And what, what was your experience with casting? Were you playing terrorist number four? What what were you fighting? Your
1: um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think especially like immediately post 9-11, I think that the Arab theatrical community like basically forked in the road and half were like, not doing it, never doing it. Mm-hmm. And the other half were like, look it, I'm going to do it until I make my own name and then I'm going to do the stories that I want to do. And I I understand both perspectives, but I was not interested in playing into the stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have no judgment around it. Um, and I know people who actually did what they said. They played them until they could tell the stories they wanted to tell. And that's great. Um, but- also, I mean, in reality, it, the, it it would have been so foreign to me to try to, like, be that kind of Arab. Like, it would have, I would have, I, I would have needed much more than my musical theater acting <laughs> training to be able to, like, pull myself into that place. Like, it just, like, it wasn't going to happen so much so that I think one of the only times I ever no no i didn't i didn't i played the son of a terrorist but the son of a terrorist was like singing george michael all the time like was like definitely and he he ended up falling in love with the president of the united states and they had a love affair anyway (laughs) but like again that i was like oh okay i can like totally humanize this but like to, I was never the guy who was gonna be like super imposing and scary and yelling. And that, if I started yelling Allahu Akbar, people would have been like, oh hey my. Oh yeah. Like people like it was Back at knocking. you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. One time this you just reminded me one time I lived in Boston, very white town. I don't know if either of you have ever lived in Boston. It's a no, very white. Seen it. See, it was enough to know. <laughs> super white. Uh-huh and i was i was all all by myself i was just about to start a masters program and i was walking down the street and this fucking white guy was like hey see you next tuesday and i didn't know what it meant <laughs> so i was like oh cool where's the party <laughs> and they were like so uninterested in me whatsoever they just flicked me off but um that's the, i mean that's the kind of stuff that i mean like i i'm never going to be the like the super imposing, scary guy. Wait, can I want to talk about you. Are we allowed to talk about you? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. What, how, like what inspired this podcast?
0: Yeah, Um. okay, so three years ago, no, four years ago, I went to this event. It was advertised on Facebook. It was just like, hey, come to the Houston, because I was living in Houston at the time. It was like, come to the Houston Arab American Community Center. We're trying to fill the age gap because they all had... They always had, like, kids events and then, like, much older, like, much yes. older people. Yes. Um, our,
1: parents, our parents, yeah,
0: Yeah, and they didn't have, like, the gap filled. And so the president of that um, organization was like, I really want to find programming that'll draw more of a diverse age group. So a bunch of us shows up, like, a bunch of us see, you know, we see this on Facebook. We're like, let's show up. Let's just throw out ideas. And so the one that I, when we, it was my turn to stand up, I was like, that'd be cool if we had, like, an LGBT support group in this space. Because at the time, even just as recently as four years ago, I did not know of anything like that, at least in the area. Yeah. So um, everyone was, like, super receptive. They were like, oh, my God, yeah, this, we we do need a, like, swana-centric, uh, center, swana-centered uh, queer group. And then, long story short, the funders or the... The board, they were like, the community is not ready. And I'm like, so we're not part of the community? But they they were not allowing us to start this group. So then I was like, okay, well... So like gonna, any
1: good activist, you said, I don't need you. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't need you. And so then a year later, I was listening to this other podcast called Ethnically Ambiguous. Mm -hmm. oh yeah I know it oh awesome I really like it and I was thinking podcasting would be an interesting thing to do and I just like for some reason I just I felt very connected to that podcast well not for some Mm -hmm. obvious reasons Um, and I was like I wonder what I wonder if there's like a queer era podcast and so I searched that in iTunes and I saw nothing and I was like I wonder what it would be like to start a podcast (laughs) about queer Arab stuff. And so, um, Ellie, another co-host and I created it like three, three years ago now. Um, and we didn't know what to expect. We were just like, let's just throw out a few sample episodes, see how they go over. We don't know what we're doing. Um, and so we just kind of talked about like our, our upbringings, whatever, all the, all the like foundational intro stuff for those three episodes put them out we got some good feedback we had like several people start following our social media and we were like okay let's keep going with it and then um yeah and then we were like let's start putting out feelers and see if anyone wants to come on as a guest um so our friend Sheam was the first guest on our podcast um talking about this organization she worked for called uh books not bombs and it was a it was a very informative yeah a syrian american activist she's great um and we were like i really we really liked that format we were like we should have more guests this is cool because we don't just want to hear ourselves and then (laughs) so most episodes since then have had guests and nadia like a year and a half in or so we we were like Hey, do you want to like co-host some dance specific
2: episodes because
0: Nadia is a dancer, so we're we like
2: some um, guests who are too. Um, kind of. I'm a little all over the place. I'd mm-hmm. say I'm primarily a contemporary dancer professionally, but um, we'll also kind of do a little bit of whatever. Yeah. Um, when yeah.
1: when are you gonna get Sonia Taya on?
2: We should actually. Oh, yeah. We should. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and also, um, I was living in New York, and yeah. uh, y'all were in in New York broadcasting at various events, so I would, like, sometimes just be there, be there yeah. for events and stuff. Exactly, um, and... and
0: then um, a year ago, Nadia started co-hosting, like, most episodes, so now it's mostly the two of us doing it, um, and then the other co-host is the one who takes care of all the tech stuff, like, website maintenance, all that stuff, and she'll come on certain episodes but she's living with her mom and there's only there's only so much you can do like privacy wise (laughs) um so yeah so that's that's kind of how it's developed why why it even started it was very just like guessing along the way like figuring things out um and not really knowing what it would turn into and it's become very much a community which i did not yeah. I don't know. I just didn't like expect the level of collective, I guess. Um, whatever. What am I trying to say? It just grew <laughs> <laughs> like That's it's amazing. like a collective project instead of yeah. just like
1: us. Which I I, I don't know about you guys, but I came out pretty late in life. I came out in my like uh, mid twenties. And so like all of that stuff all of that stuff where people learn how to like find community, like, you know, as they're sort of coming up and coming out, like I, I was lost on me. So now, you know, 15 years later, I'm like meeting and learning about all of these awesome queer Arab centric things. And like, and like, it's been, it's really been amazing to meet so many cool people and like, you know, figure out how, where, within what pockets of collective sort of I I jive in.
0: Yeah. Cause like you said earlier, we compartmentalize all the time. We've learned all the time. We've learned that we had to. Mm-hmm. And like this is kind of a decompartmentalization process that we're going through, uh, which is great. It's so
1: important. It's so no, healing. It
0: really is. It takes getting used to. Okay. Actually, it's funny we bring this up. So I just like very recently started kind of dating someone yes and i was i've been finding it so hard even to communicate like multiple parts of myself because i i'm just Mm. so wired to like only share a very specific like category of stuff about me and i'm i'm still like i'm still thrown off guard where i'm like wait i don't necessarily have to like yeah, I still sometimes to... feel
2: like I'm doing something wrong if I yeah uh, talk about just, for instance, like, this kind of community work with someone who's not directly in it, even though there's, there's no reason right. to. Um, yeah. I, uh, so this
0: person I'm talking about, I'm like, um, like, they have a totally different cultural background.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It didn't even occur to me to, to talk about the podcast until, like, very recently. We had been talking, like so long, and then I'm like, wait, this is actually a really important part of my life. Yeah. yeah. Why did I think I had, it wasn't important to share? Because I'm just so used to that.
1: Right, So I'm, I'm trying yeah. to, as you're telling me this story, I'm trying to find this meme Yeah. Um, that was going around, and I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it's essentially like queer people grow up, fine oh yeah like we live our um oh you we
2: we grow up playing somebody else who's not yes. us and then yes. in and our like adulthoods we're figuring out which parts who of we us are we yes mm, i ask. like that and yes I remember so, that.
1: and like yes and it's so it's i never uh, until i had read this <laughs> very poetic meme <laughs> i yeah. had really like not thought about the fact that we really really like every version of ourselves up until we can be whole is a version that that we create to feel safe in whatever environment we're in, mm-hmm. and like until and I don't know how we do that, that massive amount of unconditioning, but like it's so important that we figure out how to feel safe no matter where we are.
0: Yeah, like
1: safe as our total selves, no matter where we are.
0: Exactly, but- and like not always expect that the other person will be uninterested because like if it's really important 100. to you they'll and if they care about you they want to know
1: yes yes yeah. and I, I and i want to also point out um my therapist said we have to i have to find ways of Um, sharing myself when somebody shares with me. So this is an opportunity for me to say, I understand what you're going through. Because as I start to get to know somebody new right now, Mm -hmm. I find myself immediately going like, well, it's not going to work because of this, or they're not going to get this or, you know, I'll just like create these walls, you know, like I'll just, I'll find so many walls to, to figure out why it won't work. And then I'll be single and then i'll be like i just like i don't get it like why doesn't anybody just like me and i'm like the reason why um (laughs) yeah but uh yeah it's i mean it's being queer is hard enough right life is hard being queer is hard when you layer on other things like potentially our arabness or our faith or whatever i mean it just makes it exponentially more hard yeah because like I have so many
2: people who have been like really uninterested or like that's weird that seems really niche who would be interested in a podcast (laughs) about queer herbs you know that kind of thing um yeah totally but that doesn't mean that everyone thinks that way
1: right I, I mean I don't know about you I don't know about you both but like for me I have done I mean I feel like we all do so much work on ourselves in our own way and I was like Um, I'm so proud of myself, you know, early on, I read the velvet rage and I wasn't going to sort of, you know, hold the shame that, that so many gay men hold or queer people hold. And, and I'm now like, you know, I'm 41 and I'm realizing, shit, I have, I have so much more shame than I ever thought I was holding onto. And it's like manifesting in such weird ways that I never even thought of. And it's really Uh, it's like so important to like check my own internalized homophobia that I wasn't even conscious of.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I find um, I have a lot of uh, uh, what can I say? I feel, I feel kind of similarly, like sometimes people wouldn't necessarily think um, that I'm, I have a lot of shame. I don't seem, seem, I can seem pretty shameless. Um, But I I think I have a lot of internalized queer phobia centered around the idea of, like, how how big of a part of my identity that is. Um, Like, oh, I'm not one of those people who their whole personality, and I say this with quotation marks in it, because I don't really believe this is a thing we're supposed to judge (laughs) about each other. But, quote unquote, I'm not one of those queer people who makes that their whole identity where, like... So what if someone did? Like that's fine. Yeah. It's it's something and, and, like, we like struggle we like the world tells us not to do. If you do that that's fine. Yeah. It's
1: unbelievably true. Like it's it's so often that we'll hear or feel people say like, "Oh, I am I'm, I'm gay but I'm not that kind of gay." Right. You know, like I'm and I think we're so so fixated on and I say we because I I need to feel community in this because it's really like it's me, but like we we are so fixated on controlling the narrative that we, you know, we need people to know that we are this way and not this stereotype or whatever, you know? But, like, even if we were, who fucking cares? Yeah, yeah. exactly. We are who we are, you know?
2: I'm going to bring up another meme that's like, <laughs> it's okay if, like, one of your main personality traits is being gay. Some people make their main personality trait liking a sports team of oh, yeah. a sport they don't even play.
1: 100 mother f percent. Yes, that's so true. That is so true. Um, yeah. 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 Like I, I you know, I, um, oh, I just read this amazing thing. Do you guys know who, do you know who, shoot, ju- it's right here, just give me 30 seconds, hold on. Oh, such such quality airtime right now. No, you um,
0: It's worth it.
1: Uh, do you know who um uh Mashuk Mushtak Deen is?
2: Does yes. it bell? he okay. spell? He was in a criminal queerness festival yes. last year.
1: Yes, yes, he's a playwright, yes. Okay. he just he just wrote um a thing for McDowell about like words and destigmatizing words and why words hurt and don't hurt and i'm just gonna like read this one sentence but when we're done i'm gonna i'm gonna email you this link because it's such a beautiful he says um every act of forgiveness requires an act of self-forgiveness for allowing ourselves to get hurt for needing a love that didn't come for not being strong enough to not get hurt in the first place and he just talks about how You know, when somebody calls us words like the F word, you know, we we are not hurt by that word. We're hurt by the intention of it, and we're hurt by how we think that's a negative reflection on us. But if we said, "But that word doesn't. That word is good.
0: Exactly. That word is
1: beautiful. Being called it, regardless of intention, wouldn't have that." Effects, came yeah. or that effect uh i'll i'll make sure to get this but it was such a it was just a beautiful essay that That's he wrote
0: gorgeous yeah wow um Ugh. yeah that hit yeah. <laughs> um well this has been amazing. We have another recording about to happen. The, I
2: understand. This I guess went, to this wrap this just up, do like you want to tell by. us about uh, what you're working on right now, maybe, or anything coming
1: up? Yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah. Well, as, as I mentioned, Breaking Fast is available on Hulu, and we're excited for more and more people to watch it. Um, we are currently, um, we were approached about the potential of Breaking Fast as a TV series. Oh. So oh, I'm in the wow. thick of developing that, and it's... I'm excited about what that might become. Um, it, it currently takes place after the movie. So it's like the next generation of story. Um, and then I'm also, I just finished a script that I'm uh, hoping uh, I get to make in the coming year about a uh, an eighth grade chubby Muslim little boy who mm-hmm. has to get healthy to pass a, ta- a fitness Physical fitness test, and he enlists the help of his very uninterested brother to <laughs> uh, to help him get fit. And uh, you know, it's a it's a brother. It's like American Pie meets The Sandlot. It's very like Aww. irreverent sex humor through the eyes of this chubby Muslim mm-hmm. boy who's like, I don't know if this is right, but it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty charming and sweet.
0: Sounds really cute. <laughs> Like very, it very wholesome
1: he like you know he gets up to pray and he's cleaning up cleaning himself up to pray and some girl throws up on his foot because she's drunk and <laughs> passed out in the toilet so it's, it's like stuff like that it's like not you know it's very sweet but also like, like very messy. college humor
0: yeah. messy college humor yeah i like that yes I yes like that.
1: So what a joy. Oh, I am so amazing. honored to meet you both. Yeah, I really, cheers. I'm such big fan, uh, such a big fan of you both. And I'm so grateful that you guys made space for me on your amazing and well-needed podcast. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, and where can people follow you or find you online?
1: Yeah. Uh, at watch MMP. Um, is Mike Mosalam Productions, mm-hmm. where we'll have information on all of our upcoming releases. Awesome. Um, I'm at Mike Mosalam Mike um, mm-hmm. and at Breaking Fast Film.
0: Yeah, okay, sweet. Awesome. Um, and you can yeah. follow us on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at The Queer Arabs and email us at TheQueerArabs.com. Or that's listen. our website. Email us at thequeerabs at gmail.com. Go to thequeerabs.com. Yes. Uh,
2: on the internet. By the way, <laughs> on the
1: I, internet. I'm so like you. I hate giving out those handles because I mess them I up. I always mix time. them up. I mix them up all like, the all, time. like
0: half the time. Yeah. I feel like,
1: very seen right now. So like thank you for doing like that. Gmail
0: correlates to email. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: awesome. All right. Thank, thank you all you so, much for- so much. so much.